take our Bibles tonight. We're going to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter number 17. Matthew 17. Last week I preached to you a message on really what makes us distinct. And what it really comes down to is that that which makes us distinct is the Spirit of the Lord that we have. And as part of that, as, as, as we kind of consider that thought, and even the concept that um, the, the, the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. And really the need that we have for the, the evidence of the Spirit of God in our lives and the power of God upon our lives, I want to just kind of continue that thought a little bit tonight by looking at an example where the disciples of Jesus, the apostles, the twelve, believed that they had the power of God in their life, and to a degree they did, but it fell short. Their power fell short. And I want to just kind of examine this, and maybe we can learn some things from it tonight. So if you're in Matthew 17, would you stand with me as we read the Scripture tonight? We're going to begin reading in verse number 14. Matthew 17, beginning in verse 14. It says, And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times, notice that, not once in a while, not this has happened before, for oft times, He falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and listen to these words, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil. And he departed out of him, and the child was cured, not eventually, from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. This is a really interesting account of a situation that had taken place with Jesus' Twelve disciples. What we find is that Jesus has been up in the mountain. We call it the Mount of Transfiguration, where he took uh, Peter and James and John, that inner circle, those three disciples. He took them there and was transfigured before him. And as he was busy teaching them some things about the coming kingdom of God and, and letting them see some things that others had not yet seen and would not see until the coming kingdom of the Lord, his other disciples, the other nine of the twelve, were out doing what he had sent them to do. They were being obedient to the commandment as he sent them to go and preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick and 
and, and to cast out devils. These were all things that God had told them to do. The Lord Jesus had sent them to do. And so they were busy about that work. Now Jesus comes down off of the mountain and there comes to him a man. And imagine this, and sometimes I think we read the scriptures and we don't necessarily uh, allow ourselves to feel the weight of the situation. But here's a man who comes to Jesus in absolute desperation. He, he is a father. You fathers know that your children are so important to you that when, when, when your children are going through something, a, a trial, an affliction, something in their life, you wish that you could stand in their place. You wish that you could take that for them, but you can't. And here is a father who sees his son, he's afflicted with a devil. He's been possessed by a devil. And, and, and this possession is, is such that uh, he is to, this, this, this child, this young man, whatever he is, his son, is so out of control that he throws himself into the fire and he throws himself into the water and there's this spirit of self-harm that's really taken over this young man. And the father is desperately trying to spare his son and and, and, and in longing for his son, he's brought this child or this, this, this son of his to the disciples because he's heard these disciples, they've been casting out devils out of other people and they've been healing others' diseases and maybe they can help my son. And he comes to them with his son and the disciples say, yeah, let's, we can do that. We can take care of that. We've had some success before at casting out devils and so whatever it was, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you know, uh, we, we command you to depart out of him and nothing happens. And, and maybe they tried again. You know, we're going to go ahead and have, maybe it didn't take the first time, you know. Uh, we didn't focus enough or we didn't say the right words or whatever it was. So they, they tried again to cast out this devil and still this son of this man was in bondage. And now Jesus comes down. And here the, the man comes to Jesus. And I want you to notice, we don't know the name of this man, but it says that there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him. I mean, it's like he falls at the feet of Jesus and begs him, pleads with him. Jesus, please help my son. Lord, have mercy on my son. For he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oftentimes... He falleth into the fire and often into the water. This isn't just a problem that arises at certain times. This is oftentimes. This is a continual affliction that's affecting my son and it's affecting our family and it's affecting our home and we've done everything that we can to try and resolve this issue and even your own disciples tried to cast the demon out. They couldn't. Imagine what that must have been like as this father who has watched these disciples change the lives of other people. He has observed as the power of God has been evident in their lives and, and, and blind people have come to them and they've walked away seeing. Lame people have been carried to them and they ran home. Diseased people have been brought to them and they were healed people that had been possessed by devils had been brought to them and they left in freedom, free of those demonic spirits and that oppression and that affliction. And he's watched this, but when he brings his own son, 
Nothing changed. Imagine the burden of the heart of a father who feels that the, the, the last hope, I mean, all hope is gone. Everything that I had hoped might change something has fallen short. And now my, my last resort is to go to Jesus Himself and to kneel down and on my knees, plead with Him to have mercy on my son. And as we look at this situation, we can see this was a, this was a very real situation in this man's life and his son's life. We might look at it, and you know, to us it may seem so distant so long ago that only true Bible believers would look at this as anything more than a fairy tale. But we're Bible believers, so we know that this is true, we know that this is an accurate account, but how often do we read that and think that we're so far detached from it that it's almost hard for us to even wrap our mind around what was going on here? But I want you to know that in the life of this certain man, and in the life of his son, this was a very real affliction that was on their heart and on their mind day in and day out. It was something that constantly plagued them and something that they probably felt would never get better. This is just the reality of our lives now. Nobody can help us, even those closest to God. And he comes to Jesus. And when he came to Jesus, he found the answer to his need. What a, what a tremendous a tremendous account that ought to bring us joy and rejoicing as we consider that the Bible says here in verse number 18, Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. This man came to Jesus and it wasn't, hey, if you stay on this regiment for the next six months or the next year, maybe you'll start to see some improvement. No, that wasn't it. From that very hour, from the moment that he came to Jesus, everything was solved. But then we run into this other issue. Because we're able to say, okay, God can do this. Jesus was able to do this. Praise the Lord. But the disciples are not yet satisfied. Because the situation has exposed a flaw in themselves. We've had success before, Jesus. We've been able, you gave us power over the, the spirits, and you gave us power to heal and to cure diseases. Uh, you sent us forth. You gave us a commandment. We've been obedient in that, but now we ran into an issue that was too big for us. Have you ever faced an issue that was too big for you? Something where you're going through life, busy serving God, and all of a sudden, you come up on a, 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 on a particular situation or circumstance, and you say, I'm in over my head here. And I don't know what to do. And by the way, when I tried to do, it didn't work. <laughs> and now the disciples come to Jesus, and they've got this legitimate question. Why could we not cast him out? 
Now, I understand the day and age in which we live, and I understand that we're not really called or commanded by the Lord Jesus to go and cast out devils. That's not our command. That's not our commission. We have a different commission to go and preach the gospel to every creature, and that's what we do. But but I, I think this is important. I think there are some things that we can learn from this that the disciples had to learn here. And that is, first of all, let me say this, we can learn that some situations are beyond our power. Some things that we face in life and some things that even God would call us to do are beyond our abilities. Now you might say, well obviously, you know, there's nothing that we can do apart from the Lord and that's obviously true, we know that to be true, but, but I want you to think about this, the disciples had been given power and they had been given authority by the Lord Jesus and yet they still faced something that was too big for them. And it wasn't for lack of effort. Because he says in verse number 16, and I brought him to thy disciples and they could not cure him. They tried. Verse number 19, then came the disciples to Jesus' part and said, why could, we, why could not we cast him out? We don't understand this. We tried. And it didn't work. It's always worked before. Why did it not work this time? And the reality is, folks, that there are just things sometimes that are too big for us. There are things that you might face and that I may face that are too big for us. Jesus said in John chapter 15, without me ye can do nothing. He said in John 6 and verse 63, it's the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. But even beyond that, sometimes we try walking in the spirit and yielded to the Lord and submitted to him and we still fall short. Why is that? Well, I think there are a couple of contributing factors in this particular situation. And, and without trying to read something into Scripture that's not there, I think it's fair to say that in this particular situation, past success had become a stumbling block. Past success had become a stumbling block. Go with me, if you would to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. We could read about the same situation in Matthew 10, but there's some details that are given in Mark 6 that we don't see in Matthew 10. And so I want to show you this. This is when Jesus actually sent them. So what we're going to read in Mark 6 happened prior to Matthew 17 in our text. And in Mark chapter 6, look at verse number 12. Well, let's actually look at verse 7. Okay, verse 7, Mark 6, 7, it says, And he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits. Now look down at verse number 12. And they went out and preached that men should repent, and they cast out many devils, and anointed with oil many that were sick, and healed them. And so what do we find? Right away, when the Lord sent them out, they had initial success. They went and, and in the power that the Lord sent them in, and they found themselves having success. They were able to accomplish what God had given them to do. And now they, they encounter something they hadn't encountered before. The power they had wasn't sufficient. It wasn't enough. 
And the question wasn't like, Jesus, did you give us power? The question was, why couldn't we cast him out? In other words, the implication is we've always been able to before. I've never run into this problem before. Folks, did you know that sometimes past success in in our lives, in our service to God, can become a stumbling block to future success? It can actually cause us to believe that because we have seen God work before, that that automatically guarantees that we're going to see Him work again. And that's not necessarily true. I'll give you an example. As a preacher, those of you who've preached before probably can relate to this. There have been many times, many times, that I have approached the pulpit with a a, a prayerful spirit and attitude where I've said, Lord, I just don't have what it takes today to do what you want me to do. I mean, I can give a message. Anybody can give a message. But only the Spirit of God can work in the hearts of your people. And Lord, I need your power and I need your presence and I need you to speak through me. And I've come to the pulpit in a, in a spirit of humility and, and, and yielding and saying, Lord, please, I don't, I, I don't want I, I to proclaim my message to your people. I want you to use me. I just want to be your vessel. And then I've seen God fulfill that and answer that prayer and and work through me and work in the lives of people and lost people get saved and saved people get right and and, and boy, it's so encouraging. And and then later I'll step into the pulpit with an attitude that I, I can do this. I mean, I've done it before. I've seen it happen before. I'm not, I'm not you know, I, I'm just being honest with you here. I don't like telling you these things. I'd like for you to think well of me all the time, but I'm just being honest. And I can actually get overconfident in my abilities. Now, let's be real about something. If people get saved and saved people get right, that's not me. That's him. And if you serve God in whatever capacity it is that you're serving God, and it goes according to plan, it's not you. If the, if the desired outcome, and I'm saying for spiritual reasons and, and according to the will of God, if that comes to pass, you have to understand that's not you. That's the Lord simply using you. You're just a vessel. But what happens is when we get used to being used, somehow in our fleshly mind, we start to think that we've got it figured out. And we start to believe that the power is in us. Let's go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Judges, chapter 16. Judges, chapter 16, a familiar account uh, of Samson. And Samson, that judge who was greatly used of the Lord to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines many times, but sadly, usually use that for his own selfish gain and purposes. And it says in 1 Samuel 16, you're familiar with the situation as he has fallen for a woman named Delilah who wants really nothing uh, good for him, but only wants to use him for her own gain. And so she tries to provoke him and see where his strength lies. And 
I want you to notice in verse number 16, it says, And it came to pass, Judges 16, 16, it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Now, there's a lot of really interesting things that we could talk about in here that we're just going to have to set aside and talk about another time. But I want you to notice that essentially here's what Samson says. My strength is in my hair. Is that not what he says, kind of? You shave my hair, my strength is gone. Now, was that true? Was his strength in his hair? I mean, did he have superhuman hair that was just, you know, like infuse his muscles with all kinds of strength? No, there was nothing about his hair that made him strong. His hair was just an outward symbol that he had been dedicated to God and separated for a purpose. But he says, my strength is in my hair, essentially. If you shave my head, my strength is gone. Now, I will tell you, that is not true, that his strength was in his hair, and I don't think that Samson even believed it. Why did Samson not believe it? Well, because... Verse number 19, she made him sleep upon her knees and she called for a man and caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head and began to afflict him and his strength went from him. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson, and he awoke out of his sleep. Now, wait a second here. If you have never had a haircut in your life and you wake up and your hair's gone, do you think you don't know that? I went one time about five years without shaving my beard, and I shaved it off in the middle of winter. And I can tell you this, for the next four or five days, my face felt like I had ice cubes on it. It was freezing cold. And my hair wasn't that long. Don't tell me that the guy who'd never had a haircut got his head shaved and didn't know it. But he woke up. And he heard the Philistines were upon him. And it says he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. You see, the issue wasn't that his hair was gone. It was that the Spirit of God was gone. You want to know something really interesting about Samson with all of his carnality? The Bible records the Spirit of the Lord coming upon Samson more than any other man in the Bible. And yet here's a man who routinely, routinely had the Spirit of God upon him. And when the Spirit of God was gone, he didn't even know it. Because he was confident in his previous success. His past success had become a stumbling block to where he believed, I've been able to before, I'll be able to again. Friends, we get ourselves in a big mess when we believe because God has answered prayer before, because he's enabled us before, because he's used us before, that automatically means I am able to meet the need again. Friend, we need God. 
every day and every hour. And so their past success, I believe, the disciples, their past success had become a stumbling block. Secondly, the situation was different than what they had encountered before. Jesus made reference, he said, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. At the end of the, uh, at the, end of the, the passage we read there in verse 21, Matthew 17, 21, Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. And so this idea that they're, they're facing something that they had not faced before. And so now they're, they're facing something they haven't faced before with this resume of previous success and they're trying everything they usually try. It's not working. And they say, Jesus, why could we not cast him out? Now here's what I'm thankful for. Some situations are beyond our power, but secondly, no situation is beyond God's power. Some things you will face are far beyond what you've ever had to deal with before, and you, you will be pressed beyond measure. You will be challenged beyond what you are capable of. But no situation is ever beyond God's ability. Because as we read before, we saw that Jesus was well able to deal with this issue and, and, and things were taken care of immediately. And then he says, even to his disciples, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible unto you. There is no situation that you will ever face that is outside of God's ability to meet the need. Ever. That's good news. I want to just share with you a few verses of Scripture uh, that are familiar, no doubt, to you, but I think they'll be an encouragement. Luke 1 and verse 37, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Isaiah 59 and verse number 1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. Matthew 7, Jesus said, Ask and it shall be given, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. James 4, the Bible tells us ye have not because ye ask not. And we could go on and on and on with examples tonight of where the Bible tells us that God is well able to meet your need. God is able to do whatever he wants to do or needs to do in your life. God is able and so what was the real problem? Maybe you've read this before and said, well, Jesus said, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. So the problem was that they had not prayed and fasted. Isn't it interesting, though, that that's not what Jesus rebuked them for? When Jesus heard that they were not able, he said, O faithless and perverse generation. He said to the disciples when they asked him why they could not cast him out, he said, because of your unbelief. The issue and the obstacle to, to, the, to accomplishing what needed to be accomplished was that there was unbelief. You say, well, they, they thought they were able. Yeah, that's the problem. They thought they were able, but their faith was not in the Lord. They did not believe, in fact, they had come to believe, that this 
particular demonic spirit was just too great. Uh, We've been able to before with the little guys, but this is a big boy. You know, we, we were able to withstand the foot soldiers, but this is the cavalry, or this is the general. I mean, this one's just too much for us. And Jesus said, no, no, no. The issue is not that this demonic spirit was too great. Don't forget, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, by the way. The issue was not that the demonic spirit was too great. The issue was their faith fell short. Because of your unbelief. Isn't it a challenge to think that our unbelief could keep us from seeing God do the impossible? I mean, really, what is it that is too big for you to pray for? What is it that you don't believe God for? You see, I believe this this statement and even the progression of wording here as he says, because of your unbelief, and then he said, how be it this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. The, The reality was that they had not been praying and fasting. And why were they not praying and fasting? Probably because they didn't believe that God was able. I mean, let's just be honest. Has there ever been a time in your life that you failed to pray for something because you didn't believe that it would actually matter? If I pray in this way, it's not going to change anything. The situation is what it is. There is no turning back. And so it's not even worth praying about. It's just too big. Friend, I want to tell you, there is nothing too hard for God. There is nothing too hard for God. Now, there may be things that are outside of His will. There may be things, I'm not saying that, you know, you can just expect whatever you want to go and ask for uh, tonight. You know, I'm going to go ask for a big mansion uh, somewhere and, 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 and you know, uh, six times my, my salary and all that. Friend, that might not be God's will for you. In fact, it probably isn't God's will for you. But there's nothing too hard for God. There is nothing outside of His control. Maybe you've stopped praying for a loved one to get saved because you just believe they're too far gone. Maybe you've quit praying about a situation in your family, a wayward child an issue within your marriage, you've quit praying about it because you just don't think anything is ever going to change and you have, be, you have come to accept that this one is just too big. Jesus said the problem was your unbelief. And tonight I just, I just want to challenge us and I'm going to include myself in this. I want to challenge us to recognize That nothing is too hard for God. And we may face things that are well beyond our power. Folks, the things that I want to see God do here in the next 116 years, assuming Christ doesn't return before then, that's a big assumption, they're way outside of my ability or your ability. 
In fact, if we're only dreaming within the scope of what we can do, our faith in God is too small. Nothing's impossible for him. And what did he say? Nothing shall be impossible for you. But because of your unbelief, you are not able. Friend, what is it that we would say, ah, it's just too big. It's not too big for God. It's not too big for God. Let's pray big. Let's believe big. Let's trust that God is going to do great and mighty things which we know not. But if we trust that, if we believe that, we got to put action to that where he said, call unto me and I will show thee. Our faith ought to lead us to our knees to like the father of the lunatic child fall on our knees to have mercy. I need power that I don't have. I need you to meet me in my place of need.